Hey, my name is Anthony O'Connell. I'm a man with a high voice and a podcast. We do a feast or pass, rate it one to feast, great dining experiences, and more. Thank you so much for listening. This week's episode is a compilation of some of my favorite moments of 2020. Jenny of Jenny's Ice Cream talks persistence. Brandon Heron food, big deal or no? Chimdi, celebratory meal when drafted into the NFL. Deirdre and her amazing meal in Greece. Nick has reasonable rules that must be met when he dines out. Josh eats strangers' food that they leave behind in restaurants. Max took acid and had lunch on a boat in Thailand. Maddie's mom found a finger in her fast food cheeseburger. Dan and I discuss if a restaurant should charge a customer that orders water and puts in their own meal. Moses had two guests help him during a dinner rush. Brad talks about what separates Lion Cubs cookies from others. You gotta just jump in because you know what? Now everybody knows you're doing it and you know, you just gotta keep going right? You have to keep going. You don't, you can't just like turn around. I think, um, I similarly, like whenever I want to do something, whenever I'm like, you know, deciding something, whether it's writing a book or, or making some project that's big, it's going to be all consuming. I like, I'm the kind of person that tells everyone I know, Oh, by the way, you know what I'm doing? Da, da, da. And to the point where they're like, whatever, Jenny, like they get annoyed with me because I'm like, I want everyone to know that I'm going to do it because it puts me on the hook for yep. doing it, right? Because then in a year, when I see them again, or six months or two weeks, they're going to be like, did you do it? And I'm, I, my answer to them can't be, nah. Right. Like, you can't do that. You got to be like, well, yeah, or, you know, whatever. So little societal pressure on the, on the, yeah. <laughs> and then also too, from the Wikipedia, it said that, and I, I'm actually shocked to hear this, that the, when you first pitched it to North Market the first couple times, they said no. Yeah, they did. Was that devastating? Like, how did you overcome that? Okay. So in two different businesses. So there was Jenny's and then before that it was Scream Ice Cream, both in the market. And at Scream Ice Cream, they just weren't interested at all. So this was in 1996. They had just, the market had just moved from what it had been before, which was just a little Quonset hut. Now it's the, the oldest continually operated market in the Midwest, the North market is. Mm -hmm. And so it had gone from various uh, uh, buildings over the years, but it had always been in service, right? It wasn't like just because like in the nineties it became popular. So the, so the community revived it. It had always been there. So when the last one burned down, they were in this like horrible Quonset hut with a dirt floor. So they had just moved into the building next door, which was like an awesome warehouse, which is where it is now. It had been a, imagine this, it had been a records warehouse for nationwide insurance back before computers, right? Where they had to have like rec paper trail of everything. Um, so obviously they didn't need that anymore. And so they moved the market into that building. And so what the, the organizers were doing, and they were very connected to the city of Columbus is they were trying to build a grocery destination that would be where people would go back to having grocery shopping directly from the people who are making, growing, producing it and pre- procuring it. Such an awesome idea. They wanted only people who were doing grocery and it makes sense. But, I, but that was what I was going up against. You know, we were like, does ice cream fit in? Or they were really worried that the North Market was going to turn into like, I think what they were, they call it like a fudge and, you know, um, cards shop, right? So like when you go up and you're like in a tourist um, little village by the lake or whatever, there's always like the fudge lady and the, you know, yeah, the greeting cards and tchotchkes and stuff like that. So they were really worried that ice cream was sort of turning it into that. Totally understood. But I had to convince them that, that wasn't the case. So the way that I did that, actually, there was an ice cream show on PBS. It was a fantastic ice cream show. If you ever get a chance to watch it back before, you know, the technology we have now, where I could just find it and email it to you from YouTube. Um, I had to have, I didn't have anything, you know, my family wasn't together at the time. I didn't have any money, I had nothing, but my grandparents lived in Florida and they had a VCR, right? Even by the standards of, of life back then, most people had a VCR. I did not. 
so I had my grandfather record it when it was on, when it aired. Um, and then he mailed that piece, that, that tape to me. And then I gave it to the people at the market. And what it showed in that ice cream special, it was very beautiful. One of the first profiles that I did was on Bassett's ice cream in the Reading Terminal Market. And um, Bassett's is an old American company, 150, 175 years old. They've been in this market. It's very much like the North Market for a really long time. And they are um, beautiful. That was what changed their mind. So it's back to that idea of when someone says no, what do you do? The last thing you do is just walk away and say, thank you. Right. Right. In your mind, you say, I'll be back. Right. <laughs> you, you came back. With I proof. Just didn't you do it right this time. I just didn't convince you this time, but I will be back. And so I found this thing. I called my grandfather. We, we did that. And then again, at Jenny's, it had to happen again. Now, this is a different group of leaders at the market. But what had happened was Scream wasn't very successful. And so they were like, why would we have you back? And I had to say, well, because I've learned everything. Now I get how to do it. And, um, and that was a while. So what I did that time, and you know, you're going to find if the more you look into what my story, this is what I do all the time. Like I just literally never take no for an answer. It's very annoying to be married to me or like, you know, to be a mate, a friend of mine, but, um, but they were just like, no, thank you. And I was like, but this has to, <laughs> this has to happen. I've got this whole thing now. And, um, and, uh, and they said no over and over again. So I got a job at the market. So I just got a job and I was just there all the time. I, Hello. Every time the manager of the market would walk by, Hey, Dave, Hey, Hey, it's Jenny. How are you doing? I mean, it was like, literally I camped out there. It's incredible. And, uh, and I just became friends with him. And then he began to get trust in me that I wasn't going to, that I really did understand what I was doing. And that was, that was what led to me being allowed back in. That's so right. I don't give long, I give very long answers, but no, no, I like it. I mean, I think you're going to truly inspire people with that story because it's very easy to be discouraged when someone says no. But the first time you got told no, you're like, well, I don't have easy access to this video, but I'm going to call grandpa and get this video. And then you send it to him. And then that business kind of failed, but you failed forward. You got a job there and you just stuck it out. And I think that's really incredible. I think the, the main thing is you're asking, I'm asking myself, what did I not get across? Like what? Why are they not seeing it the way that I am? What do I have to change about my approach to get them to see what I, the vision that I see? Because that's clearly beautiful. We need to kind of figure out where, how to come to the middle on this. And so I just never, I never think it's like, oh, they just actually hate my vision. I think they must not see it the way that I do. <laughs> Literally like a kid who will not shut up about it and like <laughs> trying to get your approval. But anyway, I mean, it really is. It's like, what did I do wrong? It's never like they're, they, they're you know, whatever they, they you know, I, I just keep coming back with a new approach until it works. So I ordered this like chicken, cheese, gravy, French fry debacle, whatever it was. And I bit into it and I noticed there was a very long hair in it. Mm. And I was back interning off-site away from gracefully. And I was like, this is disgusting. And I started like kind of gagging a little bit. And I was like, ugh, because like nasty. Yeah. And so I threw the hair away. And then I took most of the sandwich. You know, I took the one bite back to gracefully. And I said, could I have another sandwich? I found a very long hair in that one. And the guy behind the counter has very long hair. It was clearly his hair. And I said, I don't need my money back. I would just like another sandwich. And then the guy said, we'll do this for you. But next time, bring the hair back with you. <laughs> and I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> he wanted I, evidence, I guess. Like, why would you I, make that up? That's insane. I think after thinking for a moment, the worst sandwich, the worst meal, 
gracefully and it, it shut down in New York. It closed maybe six months later. And here's the worst part. <laughs> I had a punch card there where if you buy 10 sandwiches, you get one free. And I think that was like the 10th sandwich. Uh-huh. And so I got my punch card and then to get my free 11 sandwich, by the time I came back there, the place was out of business. So I never got my free sandwich. Ugh, what a nightmare. Just now, bad all around. Here's my, here's my thing with hair and I'm definitely not pro hair in food. I feel like if you're an adult, you've likely done some risque stuff, maybe a one night stand or make out with a stranger. How is that less gross than a random innocent hair in your food? I think it's just because you don't expect it. It's something that you're not asking for. And I understand that like there are other situations that you get into, but like the two that you listed sound like something that like after a couple drinks, sure, I'll say yes to this. And I did not say yes to the hair. The hair was an invasion of my good time. This was, this was disgusting. And it was long, it was very long. And I was like, this shouldn't be touching gravy. I mean, the sandwich by itself was nasty. And I was like, why is it in here? Also, when you want a good sandwich while you're working as an intern getting paid zero dollars, you're like, I'm taking a, a negative $10 loss on this eight hour shift. Fair enough. At least let me have my five minutes of a good dinner. No, Nothing. that's fair. Just trash. Just a trash sandwich. I'm glad gracefully it's closed down. Boom. Good. <laughs> <laughs> now, when I was a server, I worked in Times Square and we had a long hair situation with one of my customers. So I have short black hair. Everyone in the kitchen has short black hair. So these group of Karens, uh, sorry to throw that word around frivolously, but they were, they were objective. They weren't named Karen, but they were Karens. You get it. So I bring them their food. They all had long blonde hair, like crazy long blonde hair. And I bring them their chicken parm and there was a long blonde hair in their chicken. And I, I was like, they were like, what is this hair? And I was like, oh my God. I was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, let me get you another one. And then they were like, no, we need like, we need free dessert or something. Like you got to go above and beyond. So I told my manager and he's super New York, like born and raised in Brooklyn. He wasn't having it. He was like, miss, everyone in the kitchen has black hair. Your server has black hair. No one has blonde hair. That's your hair. And they're like, well, this is ridiculous. It's unacceptable. He's like, I'll bring you another one. But you know, you're not getting anything else for free. What do you think about that? You think that was fair on his part? Cause I, well, I was on his team 100%. I think it's completely fair. I will say as a customer, it would be hard for me to be like, there, there's no one here with blonde hair that works in the kitchen. I would be like, you want to prove like, I'm not taking that at face value. I would Larry David the situation. Honestly, <laughs> I'd be like, eh, I think I saw the hostess who has blonde hair. There's some blondies. There's got to be at least another blonde person here. I mean, I recently had a delivery to my house and I was eating a burrito and I found a hair in the burrito, but mm -hmm. I was like in my house, it was late at night. I was like, YOLO. I was like, this one's fine. I'm not like stressed out about it. But most of the burrito was eaten and it was really good. It wasn't my first bite and it wasn't like all the way through it. I was like, this is fine. This is fine. And like, I don't know. I think it would be worse to find like a fingernail in something. Like, I think that's worse than a hair. Or short and curly. Yeah, that's, that's a grosser hair. That's a way grosser hair. A possible that's, tube is more gross. Yeah, nose hair would be bad, but I would probably be like, that's an eyebrow hair or an eyelash, you know? There's like a hierarchy of hair and food. Like, I think this is the big takeaway so far from our conversation is that like, there's levels to nastiness when it comes to finding, I guess it's technically body parts in your food. It is. Now, does the food matter? Like, is hair and soup worse than hair in a burrito? 
Yes, of course that matters. I think a hair in a soup is a de deplorable thing to find. Or like if you're sucking up soda out of a straw and a hair hits you in the throat, you're like, that was supposed to be liquid. The soup is bad because it's supposed to be liquid, right? We can all agree. Whereas like a sandwich, it's nasty, but you're like, okay, I understand. Someone had to make a sandwich. And like, you know, these sandwich artists, they're not being paid great. No. You got to tip them. Here's the thing I was saying. The other day, when it comes to delivery, especially in this pandemic, you tip 20% or higher. 20% is the minimum, no matter what. They could be two hours late, and when they get to your door, they could fall forward onto the food, destroying it, and I would help them up and be like, here's your $30. I'm so sorry that you did this to me, but <laughs> I will gladly eat the Szechuan wontons that are now on the carpet. Thank you so much. Please be safe. Here's my tipping policy. So I do 20% or more, but at least $5. So say 20% is $350. I round up to five. Times are hard That's for fair. Yes. Give them a five spot. When you were drafted to the NFL, because you, you're a former NFL player, did you treat yourself to a special meal? Like, how did you celebrate food-wise? So what kind of happened with me is... Hey, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening so far. If you're liking it, please subscribe. Tell a friend. If you're loving it, please give us a five-star review. Um, I watched the draft one day. I thought I was going to get drafted one day. Didn't happen. The next day the draft came on, I went to my sister's graduation and we went out to eat after the graduation, actually. So it was like the graduation, post-graduation, like dinner. And that's when I got the call that I was being drafted to the, to the um, Oakland Raiders. So after that, I think I forgot everything. So I don't even remember where, where we were at, what I was eating. I'm not sure. I don't even know if it was good or not. So Do you think it was because you were just like so excited and so blown away, like you couldn't like it was just like a, almost like a dream state yeah so it was two two feelings so first i was so nervous and you know because the draft you really don't have any control over who or when you get drafted so i was nervous going you know that day and then you know after getting drafted now i'm just excited right you know so yeah i don't remember much outside of my sister graduating and me getting again a call saying i was drafted now, do you remember, were you a little bit grumpy at your sister's hang? Because I feel like if I were in your shoes, I would be feeling a little salty. Like I was expecting to be drafted and then I wasn't. And then I got to go to a family function. And of course, like I'm a big family guy. I love my sister, whatever. But I, it would be hard for me not to be feeling a little grumpy. Well, we had planned to go to the graduation that day. The ex expectation was that I would get drafted the day before. Um, the, the graduation was kind of a way for me to take my mind off of it. Although it didn't help. I still kept... <laughs> thinking about it. So, you know, I was excited for her, but I also was trying to not think about, not stress over it. That makes sense. And when you were in the league, you were kind of everywhere. You were in Oakland, New England, Miami. So you probably know a lot about food, I'm guessing. Which city is the best out of all the cities that you played for? Which city has the best food scene? Oh, city has the best food scene. I would have to say Miami did. So that's a tough question. So I, I was in Oakland, but I was, you know, in the Bay Area. So I had access to the, the Bay Area, which has an amazing, amazing food scene. But I just feel like in Miami, I, I got out a little bit more, maybe. Or I just accessed more um, places um, than, than the Bay. So if I, was to, if I was to guess, I would say the Bay has a better food scene. And I'm going to add Napa to that discussion because it's like a hour and a half drive from where I was living. So between those, you know, that whole area, I think they have the better food scene, but I would say I experienced more when I was in Miami. You know, I was kind of living the life a little bit in Miami, <laughs> Miami I guess. 
That's so cool, man. That's incredible. So I just think it's really cool that you were teammates with at, at Ohio State uh, at such a high level working together and being on a team at that crazy extreme level. And then now you guys have a restaurant together. Do you feel like you learned skills playing football that translated to your restaurant business? Yeah, I think I do. I think probably the biggest is just discipline. Um, the understanding that you can't control everything, so control what you can control. And then probably the biggest thing is, so in football, it's really competitive for you to be able to, you know, achieve your goals or whatever and, you know, play, start, maybe make it to the next level. You have to continue to compete and continue to improve because everybody else is competing and improving. Um, so I think that that element is probably probably the biggest mindset that, you know, even going into the restaurant, understanding that we need to continue to improve us to be successful so people giving feedback customers have negative experiences we have to be able to take that criticism which you know, similar to football you take criticism from your coaches um, on a day daily basis so that you um, can continue to, to to improve so that's probably the biggest the biggest thing one of my best dining experiences was actually in this little restaurant in greece because it was on the water and the person i was with their friend knew the manager so we kept like going swimming and then going to eat. But the food, like we would order, we would like went through the whole menu. We would order something and everybody would share. And it was like octopus and um, hummus and I don't know, all these like signature Greek dishes that were really, really good. As far as food here, I've had, I think I've been pretty lucky with uh, dining experiences in terms of the companies that I'm with and the food that we get or the restaurants that we choose. A lot of my friends do hella research on <laughs> menus and things before they even make a reservation or read reviews or whatever. So I've had some pretty awesome experiences here in the city. I like going to Quality Italian is one of my favorites because their food is always just so good. They have this toast with ricotta cheese and honey. It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense as to how good it is, but it is. Well, you know, I think I think ricotta and honey is kind of a match made in heaven. And I'm always a carb fan. Carbs are life for me. So bread, I'm into it. Um, <laughs> so when you went to Greece, you said you were swimming in between bites. That sounds risky. Like, I feel like I would get a cramp. I'm such a dork. <laughs> <laughs> I waited one hour after each plate was served. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I don't even know if that's true or like in like an old myth or something, but I'm just such a dork. Like, I feel like you and your friends are probably all cool and attractive and just snacking and, ooh, that's good. Well, it, it, it helps that I think I drank like 20 Aperol spritzes. So I was like, cramps be damned. I'm getting in this water. <laughs> uh, I, I love an Aperol spritz. It's so delightful. I actually, I wish I had one right now. I'm kind of low key. Me too. Oh, well, I don't have a drinking problem, but today's my Saturday. So my <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, it's a Thursday. Good Lord. But my days off are Thursday, Friday. So that's why I, I bought a six pack of beer, but then I also bought whiskey and I was like the whiskey. What kind of whiskey and what kind of beer? So I went to the grocery store and quick side note, I got to give a shout out to the grocery stores in the Midwest. I'm obsessed. They're huge. They're massive. They're like, Walmart. can you, can you walk down the aisle and someone else can walk down the aisle coming towards you and there's just oh, yeah. space for everyone and their carts? Yes, of course. And we're, we're oh. fat here. We're fat out here in the Midwest and two carts can fit comfortably, maybe two and a half really, but 
Oh, now you're bragging. It's a lap of luxury, Deirdre. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> I did a mix pack, six pack, mix pack, mix pack, six pack. There you go. So I got like a couple IPAs and a couple like fruity fun ones. And then the whiskey was Maker's Mark. Mm. Love a Maker's Mark. I do love a Maker's Mark. So when you were in Greece, Dinan, did, this might be like a really ignorant question, but did you get a Euro? Like, is that, a, is that like a real thing? Or is that like only Americanized? No, it's a real thing. They have like fast food spots that do like the Euro, but they're, I'm trying to think if it was that or something else. And there's French fries in it. Oh, hell yeah. I'm on board with that. We'll throw a little feta on top. What's better than feta? Yeah. Oh, that, (laughs) nothing is better than feta. So it was like the, if I remember correctly, it was like all the regular stuff that goes in a gyro, and then there's french fries in the sandwich, in the pita, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, I'm fully on board for that. That that reminds me of like the the Pittsburgh sandwich with the coleslaw, the french fries, and the burger. Mm, Yeah. I've never had one. It's actually, I don't know, I forget the name of the restaurant, but it's it's actually very mediocre. I was disappointed in it. Oh, man. I leave restaurants a lot if I don't like how it started. This is, because uh, everything is like a canary in the coal. I have like eight canaries in a coal mine I send in. I go in, I must be greeted right away. You must acknowledge that I'm there. And that must happen in the first minute. And then um, you must give me a menu. <laughs> When you sit me down. I don't want to be sitting there and nothing's happening. I also need, I need the waiter to come over and greet me with the water right away. I just left, uh, a couple of days ago, I left a sports bar. They, we got there and it took uh, maybe 10 minutes to be greeted. That's um, insane. Yeah, but it was, we were out of town and it was very, there weren't any options. And there was a um, a Cowboys game on. And that's my team because I was born in Texas. So we were going there. There was no option. <laughs> and then <laughs> finally they sat us and then another five minutes passed while I watched them just play with their kids in the other room where the bar, you know, because everyone had to sit outside and they were inside. And like, uh, they were just like chatting. And our our waiter was just like behind the bar, like making drinks for, I don't even know who. There was only two other tables there. It just took, it was absolutely insane. And I just got up and I walked away. But as important as that is, is, is like the, um, the importance of getting my appetizer and my entree separately and in the right order. It almost never happens. Dude, I was just say sometimes I'll order the appetizers and I won't give them my entree order. If I don't trust the server, I'll only give apps. And then once I get the apps, then I'll order I my main. I love this move. I've employed it myself. <laughs> but then I've always got my girlfriend there just being like, don't do that. <laughs> just do it. It's embarrassing. Huh? <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing, but it works. It makes your experience uh, better. Another important thing is I must be given the utensils before you bring me any food. Because if you sit, if you sit food in front of my face and I cannot eat it, I'm livid, livid. <laughs> um, and just these things like there's, I have so many rules that it sounds insane, but nothing, none of them are insane, <laughs> and they are very easy universal rules that make complete and total sense. And how dare you work in this industry and not know that? So let me ask you how strict you are. So say they're super busy and the server comes up like, "Hey, I'm so sorry, man. I'll be with you in just one moment." And then it's like three minutes. Technically, you were greeted. Is yeah. that fair? If they said, hey, sure, in a minute. I understand busy. Okay. And I, I just want to be acknowledged. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, say the thing. Say, this is why we're not at the table. And I'll be like, okay, I, now okay. I know. 
Don't just be like, you don't give a fuck. I, uh, I left another restaurant the next day because of <laughs> bees. We, <laughs> we were in Solvang, California, which is this like weird Danish town that's just for like tourists or whatever. And so anyway, there's lots of outdoor seating as there would be during Quar, and there just had a bee problem. And so it wasn't new and it wasn't unexpected. There were signs everywhere that's like, look, buddy, there's bees here. And then they're going to be a problem. So we sat down, and then the table next to us, or two down, had um, they got their food. And then immediately the bees swarmed even more. And to the point where one of them had to get up and just, like, go to the sidewalk. And they're like, I can't eat this. And, like, we have to go. And then I looked at another table in the other direction, and they had, a, a like, a little ramekin of syrup and there were six bees inside of it and i turned to lyra oh and i was God. like i can't stay here by the way we waited for like 20 minutes for a table this place is packed oh my God. it's the number one breakfast place in solving you know and and honestly the food looked in fucking credible but uh i was just like we can't we'd already gotten our coffees but i was like and we put in our order but when i saw that ramekin of syrup i was just like i'm not cool enough you know I I can't handle this. Nick Turner can't handle these. All these people, they can handle it, but not me. And so we left. That's very reasonable. You don't want bees in your food. I think that's I don't a fair. Want bees in my food, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, dude, that's crazy, man. I do get full of rage when I get ignored. So I totally get you. I totally feel you on the uh, acknowledge me. Just say hello. I'll yeah. be with you in a minute. And especially like I don't know about you, but I'm a pretty big drinker. I hate when my drink is gone, say it's a beer, uh, mixed drink, whatever, and they don't even offer me another one. I'm like, you could have made more money. I could have had more booze. Like, everyone's winning, but you didn't do your job. So now I'm thirsty. Yeah, that's funny. I also get uh, upset the opposite way, where I have a half a glass of beer, and then they ask me if I want more. I'm like, do, <laughs> do I need to say I have beer? You know I have the beer. And then if they come back, like, another time, they're like, did you want more beer? And I'm like, I'm still not done with it. I'm like, buddy, you gotta, you gotta back off. I'll tell you about the beer. So, who would you say which city has worse service? New York hipsters or like a LA hipster place? Like, is is it different? Well, hmm, that's tough because I made the transition when the restaurant industry was transitioning to counter service, and I hate counter service <laughs> because. I do too. Just, they don't do it. They're not doing anything. And then and he they flip the thing around and they're like waiting for their tip. And I'm like, buddy, I ordered food and you gave it to me. And that's it. So, and I right. don't have as much shame as other people. And so I, I always like make the joke, like, especially at a coffee place where it's like, I didn't order a frappa latte. I ordered <laughs> you pulling down a lever for four seconds and putting it back up and you handed it to me yeah i'm not giving you a tip and so it'll be it's sometimes it's just funny to be like they flip it around and then you just like flip it back <laughs> flip it back to them <laughs> you know what i find disrespectful at least here in columbus a lot of these counter services the tip starts at 20 percent, mm. so it'll be 20 percent, 25 percent, 30 percent i'm like this is utter madness like i had to walk to the counter you know what i'm saying like you bring me my food but like Starting at 20, this seems crazy. It's it's so insulting. I I hate tipping. Other people's food at a restaurant that has been left behind 
feast or pass <laughs> oh we're diving right into this now here's a uh, uh, feast absolutely uh yeah by vulture boys stand up that's uh you know i just don't like to see food go to waste and this i don't even remember where it necessarily started but like it was probably just out at a bar that someone left like half a pizza behind and like they haven't touched it like this pizza is just sitting here it's this is just begging to, to, you know, like they left, they're gone, they're not eating it. And like, it's just sitting there and I'm probably a drink or so in at this point, you know, a couple. And then I'm like, you know what? I want that leftover pizza. And then that gave the, the birth to, to vulturing, my vulturing habits of like <laughs> things that like, it's, you know, it's stuff that it's like, not like a half eaten sandwich. I'm not, a, I'm not a total animal, but like things like, like nachos, pizza, French fries, like finger foods where it's like, this hasn't been been like touched or, or you know like this you know molested by someone else's hands at this point and and yeah it's like i'm just gonna dive in first of all i'm cheap as hell so i'm just like yeah like eh, why would i pay for food when someone <laughs> else is just gonna leave this behind but then also like it just keeps up my immune system i never get sick because they eat other people's trash <laughs> like this is this is it like this is and you know at this point too it's like my my friends like now this is instigated you know they're like hey josh like yeah, yeah there's you know some some cold chips over here and this is like <laughs> if it's chips like yeah all right i'll probably take a couple it won't be my favorite but yeah definitely like a nacho or a pizza you know now i've got like other friends on it too and you know when i said vulture boys when me and my buddies are like we're out at like a bar or something like that and someone finds something we know because we'll start <laughs> one of us will start making these calling noises which i don't even know if vultures call like just, as far as i'm concerned they the do. yeah yeah i mean they're birds uh, so i assume they, they do something yeah we'll hear one of us start going ah, ah, and like you'll see the rest of us like meerkats like popping our heads up like above like dirt as we just like look up and like we're just looking around to find out where the call was because we know he found something someone found a pizza <laughs> So now that you have this uh, reputation of, of feasting on refuse, um, <laughs> are there ever times where you're not really feeling it, but you feel like you have a reputation to uphold? So you're like, I don't really want that nacho, but the gang needs me to do it. So I'm going to chomp yes. on this nacho. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely, yeah. Because it's, it's, you know, reached a point, you know, where it's like, oh, this is just a bit now. And it's like, I need to commit to the bit. And uh, if I don't do this, people are going to be disappointed because they'll be like, oh, I, I had an opportunity to see see Josh eat trash and uh I didn't do it like I think <laughs> probably uh, you know probably not the smartest move on my part but there was like that week in like March where it was like between like like where COVID was definitely becoming a thing and they kind of started to shut stuff down but it wasn't like total shutdown yet where it's like kind of like where we are but like there was that week where it was like some stuff was still allowed I remember uh, I went to a, a comedy show at a bar like during that one week and like my buddy ed found like half of a, a pizza that someone left behind and <laughs> this was at the point where it's like all right i probably shouldn't be eating people's leftovers right now covid is a thing. It's, yeah exactly yeah like it's this is this is you know these are these are dangerous times i left it alone probably like 45 minutes until like the the just the hunger struck and i'm like you know what i want i want to slice this pizza it wasn't even that good either i forget like it was weird it was like jalapenos and pineapple like it was kind of odd but i ate it and i'm still here so when i think about it it sounds insane but when i hear you talk about it it makes so much sense because you said you're cheap <laughs> so boom you're, you're saving money and then also you're you're stopping waste which i think is great people hate waste and you're stopping that and it's a bit i feel like it's three for three 
I'm not going to start doing it, but I'm tempted. <laughs> yeah, that's the, it's the three-peat, baby. So next thing I like to do is we rate things one to feast. It's like a one to five scale, but we say feast for branding reasons. How about Chipotle? One to feast. I'll say like a, a four. I remember like when you know, Chipotle first started and it's like, oh my God, like this is like a subway kind of thing where you just build your stuff and it was like cool. And like now it's like it's there and like it's not my top choice and uh but it's kind of fallen off a little bit i i do agree in the past couple of years i don't know if my palate's improved and or chipotle's fallen off a bit but for me it's definitely used to be a hard feast but now it's a probably three and a half to a four probably for me do you do a bowl or a burrito i used to do the bowl although see i said that like last time i went like some months ago i got like an actual burrito and like it was like the special thing because i had not had a burrito there <laughs> in so long i just usually get like the, the the sad bowl of like lettuce with like stuff on top but then like I had that burrito and like, I know something about like, I love how it's just all separated inside of it. So that at one point you're just going to get like an entire mouthful of like sour cream. And it's just, uh, this is part of the experience. Now, I don't know if this is like a, a Karen move, but I've seen some customers when they get the burrito, they request the person to, to mix it up for them. I, I'm too anxious to pull that off, but what do you think about that? You think that would taste better? Or do you like it where it's like a bite full of rice and then a bite full of protein? Do you like it separate or would you think mix would be better? You know, I'd say the mix would probably be better, but yeah, I'm like you, I would never ask. So like, I like, I feel like I, I'm enough of a burden on, on people just by like being around them, like uh, let alone, like let alone asking request. anybody to do something for me. <laughs> In Thailand, we, Will and I decided to take a day long boat tour kind of around Phang Nha Bay and around the cool islands. And we were going to go swimming and we were going to paddle some kayaks through some caves and all kinds of groovy stuff. Uh, so naturally, that was the ideal day to take the LSD that I brought with me. Oh, God. So we got all situated, got our sunscreen on, got our uh, life vests on, and I dropped that acid, you know, and we started cruising around, and it was a good decision. On the boat, uh, they provided lunch, and they cooked it up on the boat. Like, the, the downstairs of the boat was like a whole kitchen area, kind of one of those big boxy uh, houseboat-looking things, you know, and they cooked up this meal that in my uh, acid addled state, I was a little like hesitant to eat, you know, I wasn't really feeling hungry or whatever. But Will, luckily, is like, well, first of all, you have to eat. This is gonna be a long ass day. And like, and second of all, this meal is incredible. So they laid out a spread of like build your own plate with, I mean, it was meats with sauces and rice and veggies and kind of stir fry stuff. I don't even know what all was in there. I don't even know half the ingredients. But it was to this day, one of the best meals I've ever had and I don't know if it's just because the ingredients were so damn fresh if it's because they made it downstairs if they just used the right blend of spices if it was it paired well with LSD you know I, I don't know if you can say that on a menu but it, it to this day like I remember the flavors I remember the sensations in my mouth the mouthfeel you know Ooh. now I'm picturing like a small little like shanty boat. Was this like a fancy boat or like kind of like a sketchy boat? No, you're totally right. Totally sketchy boat. Totally like uh, like touristy, trappy sort of tour guides, you know, who are uh, hustling us with like bar tricks and trivia, you know. Um, That's awesome. But the views are probably amazing, right? You're out on a river just floating, chilling. Incredible. I mean, with or without uh, uh, hallucinogen pumping through my veins, it was an incredible trip, you know. That's amazing. Hey, pun intended, huh? Incredible trip. Hey, hey, Achi Machi. <laughs> That's great. Now let's go the other way. Uh, do you have a worse dining experience? This one, this one was harder for me. I don't have that many from like a 
bad waiter, I don't think. Like nothing really popped into my into my mind. There was one time when you and I went to a bar. We were walking around, bar hopping or whatever, talking about a project. And uh we walked into that that bar, I think it was like downtown or something. With the guy uh, in the yeah, we're, we just went totally unacknowledged by the staff. And we're like, I, I get it's a slow bar. I get that's kind of the vibe or whatever. You're talking to your regular or whatever. Oh, but at cool. least like wave, you know? Yeah, that's fair. And we stood there for 15 or 20 minutes just, uh, I mean, gassing each other up anger style, you know? Like, this place, fuck that guy. <laughs> it's interesting when, when, when I asked you about the, the bad dining experiences and you jump to service, does that mean that you're not a very picky eater? Because I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, the food was disgusting or whatever, but you you mentioned the service. So you're more of like a service guy? I cannot remember the last time I had a meal where I thought it was disgusting. You know, I I, I ate everything. I ate it all. Um, Fair enough. And I, I do tend to seek out things that I know that I like, or at least ingredients combinations that I know I appreciate. But no, I, I can't think of a time. Actually, I, I can't think of a time. <laughs> One time I sent it back was when I was a kid at home and my dad made me cinnamon toast. And you're like, dad, you didn't do it. You missed out. This one's the L. He toasted it up, right? I saw him make it. And then I took a bite and it was, it was wrong and it was bad. And I couldn't figure it out. My dad was just frustrated. He's on his way to work. He's like, just eat the damn thing, blah, blah, blah. Turns out he didn't use cinnamon and sugar. He grabs the other Tupperware full of coffee grounds. <laughs> Dude, that's hilarious. You know, I have a French toast story too. When I was a kid, my mom's an amazing cook, but one time she made shitty French toast and I just refused to eat it. And she's like, well, you're not leaving the table till you eat it. So what I decided to do was smush it between my hands. It was literally unedible. I just kept smushing it, smushing it. And it was like going through my fingers. It was just too slimy. It was undercooked. And so I was like, I'm gonna eat this. I, I made a mess of it. So I, I got sent to my room for that one, but. Sure, sure. As you do when you squish toast. <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm a pretty nice guy, but sometimes you get rage and you just got to smash some toast. <laughs> sometimes you just got to smash some toast. I'm going to put that on a shirt for you. Do it. It's on the Patreon. Um, <laughs> me smushing toast is on the Patreon. It's a weird fetish. People love it. <laughs> One through feast this story. I was driving this morning and had a flashback to being like four years old. And we were in the Sydney Walmart. And I don't know if they saw the McDonald's there, but they did at the time. And we were on our way out and got some food. We're sitting down and suddenly my mom like closes her Big Mac and like just like wraps it up and has just this look of death on her face. We were like, mom, what's going on? And she like, can't talk, but she did tell us to stop eating. Thank you, mom, for that guidance. <laughs> Somebody had like cut part of their thumb and there was like a sliver of, her, of a thumb in her hamburger. Oh and, and being so young, I have to wonder like, what did that do to me? So did your mom call the McDonald's and complain or she's just such a sweet lady? She forgot about it. So I think she like told them because she was like, uh, so yeah, you, you need to know like somebody is actively like bleeding flesh in, in this. And they were apologetic and are like, oh, we can get you a new one. And she's like, I don't want a new one. Get this person a finger back. Jesus Christ. It's so gross. And and it's so gross that I even was wondering, like, did I make that up? You know, like in my head. And I'm 95% sure that it happened. 
95 percent confirm with your mom like this very well could have been a nightmare you had as a child like (laughs) i was hoping maybe talk to you because i'm wondering like what did you see fingernail was it just like a little part of skin he did not show us Um, i don't think like it was not significant i definitely am not picturing a like they cut off a whole thumb it's you know it was it was all skin muscle blood whatever no bone no nail still horrible it's bonus protein. Your mom sounds like a Karen. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. I'll have to ask her about it. You know, what's funny is so far, all of my guests have been super chill. And I think I just, I booked super chill people. I feel like in order to get some really bad dining experiences, I might need a Karen. Maybe a Karen would be a good thing. That's actually a good point. If I meet any, I'll send them your way. No, I feel like they, you know, I say one wrong thing on the podcast. Like, Let me talk to your manager. I'm like, I'm my own manager. <laughs> have you, did you ever have any and I'm sorry if you've already talked about this on like other podcasts or videos, but what about whenever you were a server at like in Times Square, what, what was your worst Karen experience? We had this one couple, they were an Eastern European Karen variety. Um, <laughs> Karens can be anything, by the way. I don't know if anyone knows that. Uh, quick side note, people are like, it's racist. I'm like, no, everyone's a Karen. Every, every <laughs> type of person can be rude and demanding, whatever. But I had this Eastern European family and they come in. And I have really good server radar. Like I can tell if someone's going to be a problem. And these people were just very particular. They had super specific everything, right? So they ordered our porterhouse, which is $130. It's like a huge, it's meant for sharing, big, huge porterhouse. And so I made sure to say, what's the temperature, whatever. So I rang it in. As soon as the steak hit the table, I went over and checked and if everything was fine. They're like, yeah, it's great. First bite, I do a verbal quality check. Hey, how's the steak? They're like, oh, it's amazing. Everything's good. Then when the check comes, like, we're not paying for the steak. This is bullshit. I'm like, what? Excuse me? And they're like, the steak was horrible. The service was horrible. You never checked on us. And so she has to talk to my manager. And this is like such a New York moment. He goes up to me. He's like, you're not getting anything for free. And she's like, what? And he's like, I'm the general manager. I saw him. He was taking care of you guys. Everything was great. And the look of horror on her face, because she was just expecting free steak and she didn't get it. And obviously they didn't tip me, but it was worth it to see the look <laughs> Cause she had the haircut and everything. She had like the short hair and all that. Mm-hmm. And she, she wanted to talk to my manager and it was so satisfying to watch him just have my back. It was so dope. I love it. I was going to say like, it, you probably felt so protected by your manager. Like that's I so did. Nice. <laughs> well, we were very lucky because we didn't need customers. Like we were the third busiest restaurant in the whole country. Mm-hmm. So we could kind of talk crazy to people. So yeah, I mean, I feel like that's the pod. Maddie, I think we did the darn thing. So I will say this. I, I'm sorry, but I'm not familiar with your content, but I just want to blindly support you and say, YOLO, who cares? I think you should make it all public, put that content out there. Worst is going to happen is no one looks at it. That's Well, I guess you could get a mean comment, but then you delete it. I say, just dive all in. Don't dip your toe in the pool. Jump in. Can I hire you to delete it before I see it? Another annoying thing customers would do is they would order a water and they would squirt Mio in there. And that pissed me off. I'm like, you got to order a soda or something. So luckily where I worked, we were very busy. So the customer was not always right. So I asked my manager, hey, the six top, they all ordered waters, but they're drinking Mio. And he's like, charge them for soda. That's bullshit. So we charge them for a pitcher of soda. And obviously they were very upset. But what are your thoughts? Do you think a customer should be allowed to use Mio or should they have to pay? Man, I, I've actually never been, I've never seen this or been confronted with this question before. So, so I don't know, man. I, 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 my, my gut is actually, I kind of think no but I get it from the restaurant perspective, you know? I mean, I guess I would argue you're not, you know, it's their Mio, 
you know, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not the restaurants. So, you know, I, I, I get how it's, it's shitty. I don't think I would do it, but a two liter of soda. Is that different? If I bring a two liter of Coke, is that different? Yeah, that's definitely different because, well, I mean, yeah, I guess, right. This is, this is interesting. <laughs> I had never thought about this. Right. Cause you're right. You wouldn't bring a two liter. You, you wouldn't bring your own drink into a restaurant. Right. You know. you know, for example, wine, if we're going a little fancier, we had a, right. so you can bring your own wine, but you got right. 25 bucks. So. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, that's a good point. I guess, I guess the, the, you know, I've, I'm almost in my, in my brain thinking of Mio, like, like if you brought sugar packets, like, or like if you had your own like special, like, you know, maybe Splenda or whatever, and you're, you've just gone out to restaurants so many times and they don't have it. So you bring your own, like, you know, I guess I'm equating, I'm, I'm seeing Mio more like that as a, as an additive rather than the drink, but, but your, um, uh, your, your, your point's a fair one about, uh, you know, you wouldn't bring a, a, a soda in there. I've had customers bring all kinds of crazy things. I worked in an Italian restaurant in Times Square. And one time this dude ordered a shrimp scampi and he asked for ranch dressing, which we don't have. And he's like, okay. <laughs> he goes, no, don't worry, I got it. And he pulled it out of his backpack and just smothered his shrimp scampi and ranch. And I was like, I'm not even going to fight you on that one, dude. That's hilarious. <laughs> you earned it. Now, when you cook, do you follow recipes like religiously or you just kind of say YOLO and just throw it all in there? For the most part, I'm a pretty strict uh, uh, recipe follower with, with things like you know, things I've made a lot, I, I, I feel like, you know, steak, like I don't look up how to cook a steak, like I know how to cook a steak. Right. Um, although I did for a while, you know, but, but also like I am, you know, I don't know if it's like, a, I don't think it's, it, it would be OCD, but like, I still read the box for the Kraft macaroni and cheese, even though I probably made that more than any food in my life. I still look at the box every time, even though I know it's like, you know, four, you know, quarter, you know, four tablespoons of butter and it's like a, a quarter cup of milk or, or whatever. I still like read it, keep checking the box and make sure I'm making it right. I just buy the fancy, uh, the super millionaire, the cheese is already made. It's in that little packet and you just, yeah, yeah. He's out. That's what I eat it. Yeah. Fancy the fills with cheese. I'm very fancy. <laughs> Upper feast, baby. I, I will tell you one of my favorite things to make and it, it could only barely, barely qualify as, as, as cooking, but I, I've been making it since college and it's one of the most satisfying uh, uh, things that I make. It's just taking the dry ramen noodles and, uh -huh. and, you know, making them, boiling them up, but also making like Campbell's soup, just like cream of chicken or cream of mushroom usually. And I like the creamy ramen noodles. And instead of doing the, the water-based broth, I put the noodles in the soup and I put the spice packet in the soup and I mix it up and it takes me like 10 minutes and it is so stupidly satisfying to me. Um, and it's just literally a can of, a can of soup and a, a packet of ramen. That sounds really good. My fancy ramen, what I do is I just cook the ramen like normal, throw an egg in there, get that egg cooked, and then just add butter. And sometimes I'll put cheese, but usually just butter in an egg, I feel like is churches it up enough. Do you seem very chill? Do you ever rage? Oh yeah. Not, not, oh, not, not with, um, not with like cooking, Okay. you know, so just with, with life in general, maybe, but, uh, <laughs> but not, not in the kitchen. So I am usually my, my role in the relationship here is, is sous chef. My, my wife um, really enjoys to cook, re really enjoys cooking and uh, does the most of the hard work, but I will often be in the kitchen uh, uh, helping chop uh, shred cheese, things like that. Um, okay. And then, so if someone were to come to Columbus for the first time, or maybe they live in Columbus, but they're not a foodie, what three mm -hmm. restaurants would you say they have to try? The first one that popped to mind, I would say Ray Ray's, Delicious. you know, yeah, certainly, you know, I, I, 
we're not one of the famed regional styles of barbecue, you know, but they're just, it's such, it's so just satisfying, you know, I mean, if you like barbecued meat and good sides, like it's, it's like, I don't think I've ever had a bad, a bad meal there. Plus you get the, the experience factor, particularly if you went to like a place like land grant, you know, if it's a nice day and you can get a beer and sit out at the, sit out at the picnic tables you know, that's, that's a hard, uh, you know, when the weather's right, that's a hard experience to beat. It felt like all of Bexley was in our restaurant. It was so many people inside. And I mean, a line out the door, it was crazy. And it happened like at a drop of a hat. It wasn't even like we could even give people wait times. It was just boom. Everyone's in here now. I go into the kitchen and it's just chaos. You know, at that time we were, we had like five or six people in the kitchen. We were highly staffed. And uh, our head chef just couldn't handle it. And he was just, just left the kitchen. He would come back in the kitchen, just sit in the, the walk-in because he was just sweating so much. You know, he couldn't handle it. And so we were trying to help him like, yo, hey, what do you need? What can we do? How do we get the, I mean, tickets all across the line. That ticket printer was just print, print, print. I was like, wow. But for some reason, me, my mother, uh, and then our general manager at the time, we had just a different resolve. We just felt calm, even though it was a lot of chaos. I don't know if we just had to put on a face or what it was, but for some reason, us three, we just had it down. I told our general manager, please go into the kitchen, help him out. And, I, you know, I'm coming out. People are waiting an hour for appetizers. It's crazy. That is crazy. And um, we're trying to just, you know, tell people, hey, look, we're sorry. This is happening. This is happening. We're trying to, you know, make sure, make people feel okay about it. And they're being gracious, but you can tell they're very, like, they're ready to kind of just leave and get, you know, they're, they're getting angry. And um, I go back into the kitchen. All of our meat is on the on the grill. It's like literally all of the meat in our kitchen looks like it's cooking. And I'm like, how do we know what's what? How do no no problem. So uh, two guests get up from their seat and they say, look, I used to be an executive chef for 30 years. Can I help you? What? They're waiting for their food. Yeah. And his wife was also, you know, worked in restaurants and she's like, I'll, I'll bust tables. I'll bring food out. What do you need? We don't want to see you guys fail. I come over to the window to the kitchen and our chef's back in. And I'm like, hey, look, this guy's offering to help us out. Do you, do you want him to come back here and help? And he didn't respond. I was like, look, just give us a second. And then while I was talking to our chef, I was like, look, we're waiting for you to get this food out. Da, da, da. He throws a whole plate of fries at me. He misses. I fire him on the spot. I tell our guests to come into the kitchen. He helps us get through the night. Wow. Oh, man, it was just, it was crazy. And 24 guests got up and left that night. When you get in the weeds, you got to be like you and your mom and your sister. You just got to like play like a champion, no excuses. And like, it does suck, but you just got to like power through. Like that was smart to fire him. I mean, especially throwing French fries at you. That's madness. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and, and to be honest, I learned this other thing from our general manager at the times so I got to have short-term memory. And so when I, I fired him, it was like, that's it. You know, you're, you're no longer here. So we have to keep it moving. And so right when I brought in that other, uh, his name was Tim, Tim and Caroline. That's who, who got up and helped us out. When Tim came into the kitchen, he just automatically started systemizing here. Where, where are we at? Let's get everything together. Our general manager is a great chef. He was a great chef at the time too. He got back there. He did his thing. And uh, we were able to get food out slowly but surely. And most of those people who left that night have came back. And they even told us, look, we'll give you guys another chance. It just happened to be an off night. We can tell. And we went through a lot of those hiccups. We we were able to push through that day, you know. I think it's beautiful, though. You had the community on your back, though. People were busting tables, helping out. I think that that's really inspiring. 
Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's something that we can't even ask for. We're just grateful for it, you know? So now I guess we'll do, I like to, I like to just do a, a thing called rate it one to feast, where it's like a scale of one to five, but instead right. of five, we say feast. Hawaiian pizza. I've never had Hawaiian pizza. I heard it's really good though. I'm going to say three because I've never had it. You know, I can't, I can't say it's bad or good. Is there a reason you haven't tried it? I've never even thought of it, like for real, you know? <laughs> I'd, I'd like if I'm gonna get some pizza. I'd, my favorite pizza is jalapeno pizza. I like jalapeno pizza. And then there was a spot um, where I went to high school at that had this crazy sausage uh, pause uh, pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and they had a, a cheese. They had cheesy bread with like this crazy sausage on it. I was like, man, that thing was fire. But I don't eat pork no more, so I don't eat that. But jalapeno pizza is my my go-to at this point. When you said the the pause, it made me think of. Uh... I recently posted myself eating a chili cheese dog and I <laughs> I broke the internet, dude. It was kind of like one dude called me a glizzy goblin. <laughs> I Yo, the internet's wild, man. It's a wild place. <laughs> and like, it was so funny that someone actually DM'd me some, I don't even know this person. They reached out and sent me a DM and they're like, hey, just so you know, they're making fun of you. And I was like, oh, dude, I don't care. They're still commenting. They're giving me a boost. I don't care. Like, I know, right? It don't matter. It's all good. You know, <laughs> that's funny though. You got to laugh at that, you know? Okay. So let's get back into cookie time. I'm down. What would you say separates your cookie from any other cookie that someone could get in Columbus? If we're talking about the cookie, we're talking about the cookie, right? Yep. Okay. Because some people ask me, what separates your company from other people? And that's a different answer. What separates our cookie is it goes back to the, the level of detail that we pay. Like we pay so much attention to the quality of the cookie when you, the customer, gets it. Like people are, are like shocked. Like, oh my God, it's still warm. And it's not like one of those things where it's like, oh, that's kind of warm. It's like, no, this is very, very warm when it gets to you. And it's, it's really, it's that, but it's also the contrast and textures that we have all in one cookie. So you probably noticed when you tried it, there's this little bit of crunch on the outside. It's there. Mm-hmm. Underneath that crunch is a totally different ball game though. So yeah. it's like this outer subtly crunchy shell, but it's not too much where it's like making like a, a loud that noise. Like it's not too much for you, but underneath it's like this pillowy, soft, thick, but not too dense, not too chewy. It, it still retains a lot of its moisture. Mm-hmm. and it, it's just such a big difference from what's on the outside of the cookie. So it gives you kind of the best of both worlds. It's what everyone loves about that cookie when it comes out of the oven. It's like super doughy, but it doesn't give you the fear of salmonella. Right. And it's super gooey and delicious, man. It's a delicious cookie. What I like a lot about it is just the way it looks. I think aesthetically, it's very pleasing. Did yeah. you work hard to get that look? Absolutely. So yeah, it was a lot of toying around with the right cooking temperatures and notice I said temperatures, not temperature. We we alter the cooking temperature as we go. And it took, you know, months of getting that right to get like that nice light brown look on the outside. And then you'll notice you know, there's a lot of like contouring on the outside of the cookie. It's not like this perfectly round cylindrical ball, which doesn't quite look as nice, which I see everywhere, especially with people that are shipping their cookies online. So they have a yes they do have a very unique look and they're super like they're thick like yeah they have a nice amount of spread to them but they don't have too much spread and there there are certain cookies that are just like straight up like a baseball like they don't spread enough i'm like dude reduce the amount of flour you have that's too much so with a from a lot of toying around we got to look kind of just right now i'm going to go ahead and ask you the the question you, you thought is what separates your company from other companies i think that's a great question from a company it's like okay what do we represent to people? 
and what makes us stick out. And I think if you point to like the Indiegogo campaign we just ran, where we hit our goal in 30 hours, we were at 90% of our goal within the first 12 hours. Well, what's that, what's that evidence of? That's evidence of a really, really strong and loyal following. Mm. How do you build that? You have to build a genuine connection with people. And so that's what I think makes our company different is that's one of our values. That's all of our employees share it. I think all of our customers know it is we go out of our way to have a connection with people. You hear the term engagement, like you need to create engagement. Well, I say screw engagement. Let's create a connection with people. And we, we do that in a lot of different ways. We, we create connections with people. We listen to them. They know we listen to them. They know that we're essentially an open door. They can always talk to us. We're extremely responsive on social media, which is for who our customer is. That's our main customer service channel is social media. And it's not like these, these bullshit canned responses, like where each person's question or conversation is unique and will respond to that in its own unique way that it deserves. It's not just some typed up response that we have ready to go, which I think too many companies do. Right. It's incredible. Like when I saw you, when you put your Indiegogo campaign and it like blew up instantly, like it genuinely warmed my heart that people Thanks. love you, dude. Like they, they think you're so great. And like so many Columbus content creators, I don't really want to call them food bloggers because most of them don't have food blogs, but so many Columbus content creators loved you and supported you. And like, how good did that make you feel, man? Yeah, well, it, it made me feel great. And, and a lot of it was, you know, I, I had relationships with a lot of these bloggers going into the campaign. And they when I reached out to them to help out, they were, they were very receptive. They worked with me and they did an awesome job in promoting it. I think they know how thankful I am for their help. I, I don't think they would have helped. They wouldn't have helped us if they didn't feel like what we were doing was unique and if there wasn't some type of good cause underlying the company, that there's a group of people that are actually trying to do really good and have been working really, really hard to make people happy. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the clip show. I think that was really fun. A casual little best of 2020. Um, I really appreciate you listening. And if you like the show, please tell a friend. And uh, if you haven't already, give us a five-star review. I think it helps. I've heard different things. Some people say it helps. Some people say it doesn't help. I would like it. So it helps me. If you want to give me a five-star review, it helps me. So, so do it, please.